<laughs> and I am Robert M. Price. I'm Dr. Daryl Ray. And- Hi, I'm Karen Lumley Care. Hi, I'm Aaron Roy. Hi, I'm Marissa Alexa McCool. Hi, I'm Jerry DeWitt. Hi, this is David Smalley from Dogma Debate. Hi, this is Dan Barker. Hi, I'm John McComb from The John McComb Show. Hi, I'm Dr. Drance. Hi, I'm Richard Carrier. Hi, I'm Rhonda Tyson. Hi, I'm Seth Andrews. I'm host of The Thinking Atheist. Hey, guys, I'm Kara Santa Maria. Hi, I'm David Fitzgerald. Hi, I'm Brian Keith Dalton. Hi, this is Tom and Cecil from Cognitive Distance, and we took a left of the valley. We did take a left of the valley. And a wrong turn in Albuquerque. And then like, the left of the valley goes right to a glory hole. It's it like right to a glory hole. <laughs> I know we shouldn't have to scream that we're atheists. You know, we don't have non-astrologers and all that. But with the religious people taking over the world, I mean, we can either speak up or be pushed into a corner. I'm proud to be an atheist, a skeptic, a non-believer, an infidel, a heathen. I call it how I see it. I say it's ignorance and you just call it faith and unsubstantiated claims. That's something to be ashamed. I'm an atheist. Coming at you from Bible Belt, BC, this is Left of the Valley. My name is Kevin, and my girlfriend told me she wishes I'd give her more adult compliments, so I told her I admired her cholesterol levels. <laughs> Joining me as usual is the team that wonders, if we're all here to help others, what are the others here for? <laughs> she knows that if women ran the world, there'd be no wars, just intense negotiations every 28 days. Nancy. Uh-oh. Oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> you didn't go there. Oh, but he did. Bad way to start the game. <laughs> let's, just, let's just ignore that. <laughs> <laughs> and he thinks everything is funny as long as it happens to someone else. Scott. Yes, that's that's completely right. <laughs> and she can't resi- she can resist everything except attention. Temptation, Kirsten. Yep. <laughs> That's how it works. Guys, welcome back. Oh, you know, I have to say, just just because I'm going to say it, I never get tired of our opening. I just love it. I just, you know, oh, you the, 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 yeah, the, the, the montage of everybody. It's so funny. It just it makes, it puts, I hope the audience likes it as much as we do, but it just reminds us of all of the good shows that we did, all the wonderful conversations, mm-hmm. all the people out there who are so willing, you know, to share their books, their experiences, their point of view. We've it's had, great. for a little show, a little podcast, we've had a lot of great, great guests. Yeah, yeah. we really have. I'm pretty proud of that. Yeah. And that opening just puts you in a good mood just to start the show. It does. Yeah. It does. Well, we'll try it anyway. Anyway, guys, welcome back. Uh, so today we'll be talking to our old friend David Fitzgerald. Oh, we'll be talking boy. about his latest book. Actually, it's kind of funny because it's not a book that, uh, you know, he's written books like the myths about Jesus and Jesus myth in the ash and all that. But this book actually is nothing like that. It's actually a science fiction book. So we'll be oh. talking about that. I look forward to yeah. that. Yeah. Right. Well, we always look forward to David coming on, so yeah, it'll be he, great He's a great guest. Yeah, I feel is. like we look forward to every guest. Yeah. Well, we do. Actually, I mean, we that's, do. That's, that's why we invite them on. That's I, right. I, I can think of only maybe one or two guests that actually I did not enjoy having on the show, but I'm not going to mention them. But uh, but first... Yeah, I'm thinking 98% of them. I just didn't care. <laughs> <laughs> but first, let's do a bit of chit-chat. Uh, this is a, this is from the raw story. Uh, did you guys hear that Illinois' third district has apparently a Holocaust denier, white supremacist, anti-Semite, and former leader of the American Nazi Party running 
for the GOP. Yeah, all round good guy. Oh yeah. Uh. So Illinois has a third district. There's yeah. The, <laughs> in the U.S., they all divide. Yeah, not only that. Industry. He's running unopposed. I was about to say that. Oh, That's the worst yeah. part. Sorry, he's Kevin. unopposed at this point. Yeah. Oh. Uh, and this is apparently the eighth time he's running. Uh, he said one time, "Quote: The Holocaust is a conspiracy pushed by some uh, survivors of the, uh, the the camps." Uh-huh. So I said the Holocaust never happened. I mean, there were concentration camps, and these survivors apparently concocted this whole Holocaust thing of all these oh, people. So the the soldiers digging up all the bodies? No, no, that's all conspiracy. That's all conspiracy. That's all conspiracy. No, yes. boy, if ever there was a district that that uh, was made for one of the resistance people to step up and run, that's it. That's it right there. Yeah. And the fact that he's running unopposed is what disturbs me here. But there's always a crank. There's always a crank in there. I mean, the fact yeah. that it's the eight time running, this this guy's a crank, obviously. But the fact that he's running unopposed and actually has a chance of getting in there is the problem. You know, I didn't look to see what district, what cities. So that's why I, I read it, but then I, I so I don't I know no whether what it's a conservative is, yeah. district or whatever. But it, it we really need somebody between eighteen and twenty two to step up. I say we that that. that Somebody with Third brains needs, needs to somebody set up. from about eighteen yeah. to twenty-two to step up and just you know capture the hearts yeah. and minds of everybody and you know if, if pound if, that guy into the dust. If something like that was to happen in Abbotsford, let's say for example there was some kind of white supremacist moron like that that just ran in Abbotsford unopposed, that would be enough for me to go put my name in, uh, on, on the ballot just to say I had yeah. no intentions of running, but because nope, you have to answer to this. Just, just to give to. some opposition to that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Even if you lose, you have to at least you have to answer. Yeah, I hope yes, there's the more news on that. The factor is high there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we'll get some more news out of, out of that area and so see what it's happens. one of those stories we'll have to follow. Yeah. Um, so the uh, South Korean Olympics are on. Mm-hmm. Do you guys uh, watch any of it at this point? Or? No? That's boring. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the funny thing is uh, the, there were huge protests, apparently. Um, the police clashed with protesters uh, that were protesting North Korea. Uh, these protesters apparently burned North Korean flags and pictures of King Jong Un. Hmm. King uh, Jong Un. Kim, sorry, Kim Jong. Yeah, I was gonna say. Well, he's pretty much the same, King or King. Yeah, you know, say. he thinks he's a king. Uh, his sister, Kim Yo, Kim Yo Young, King Yo Yo Jung. I'm not sure here the pronunciation. Actually, oh, was in the audience during the ceremony. Oh, I heard about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's gonna be interesting as well. Here's another interesting story. Uh, Asteroid 2018 CB passed Earth around 5.30 Eastern Standard Time on Friday at 64,000 kilometers. That's really close. It's uh, one-fifth the distance to the moon. So apparently it's a small uh, asteroid. It's only about 15 to 30 meters uh, in size. It's uh, similar in size to the one that lit... Remember in 2003... uh, Sorry, 2013? There's one that came over Russia. There's uh, videos all over it. They kind of make a big fireball. It was over the city of, I'm going to ask you this, Shilasibinsk in Russia huh. in 2013, which uh, the air burst caused by by the friction there echoed across the city and it broke windows and injured a thousand people. Wow. And that happened in 2013. Mm. That was horrible. But because of all their dash cams there, we were able to see it. Exactly. Yeah. And that was pretty cool. Yeah. The, the video comes from a dash cam. Exactly. It's a big thing in Russia. Did you guys hear about two Canadians being arrested in Cambodia? They were, they were arrested because they yeah. were at a party, and they were charged with porn for pictures on social media of sexually suggestive dancing. Who was it that was arrested? Um, seven Western There were seven Westerners in total. Oh, okay. After the ra- there was a raid in a rented villa. Um, 
Eden Kozolius, 20, and Jessica Drolet, 25, uh, were the Canadians. And uh, there were pictures that showed a party, drinking, and women in bikinis. Uh-oh. And it was enough to arrest them. Oh, heaven forbid, a woman in a bikini. I know. Okay, I... the thing that has to be remembered here, they were in, where, Cambodia? Mm-hmm. Okay, this is not Canada. It is not the United States, and it is not any of the European countries. This is a foreign country. They have their rules, and they're led by their people. You don't go in there. You, you better learn your culture before you go in there, or you do risk being arrested for oh, some absolutely. stupid thing. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. You They're, have to know what you're getting into when you're yeah. going somewhere. Yeah. yeah, they were released, but uh, I, think, I think it was I think they're happy story. to be home. I saw a picture. Oh, yeah, they, I'm sure they, they are. come home. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they're happy, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, did you guys also hear about this uh, story that Ottawa is doing an overhaul of the uh, fisheries legislation? <laughs> so... so we're going to stop them from doing cod. No, what they're going to do? Well, no, no, they did that. That's right. Um. <laughs> what what they do is in in the legislation, there is a ban of the capture of cetaceans. So whales, whales, in other words. So Bill C thirty eight does allow for, to make exception for injured cetaceans. Uh, the Vancouver Aquarium is one uh, one of these uh, places. There's only two in Canada: Marine Land and the Vancouver Aquarium. And he said they will not display cetaceans anymore. That is good because if you've been to, I don't know what, I've never been to the Vancouver Aquarium. You've never been, really? No, I've never been there. But in Niagara Falls, when I was a kid, used to go to Marine Land all the time. Mm -hmm. And it was so cool. And then I went back there a few years ago and I realized how small the facilities at Marine Land were. And I thought, those poor whales. Yeah, it's really They don't have whales there anymore. But uh, when I was a kid, they had orcas performing. And I... I didn't realize how small their their uh, pools were, and mm-hmm. and it was like that had to be so cruel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's one of the things that people don't seem to realize. Uh, uh, I I've, I've always been against the whole idea of holding cetaceans like that. Um, people don't realize that these mammals, we we rely on sight as our primary thing. For them, it's echolocation. So it, it, even though it looks like a big tank, to them it's the equivalent of us spending all your life in your bathroom. Yeah. 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 And, and I mean, uh, plenty of space. You, uh, technically, you could right? live in your bathroom for the rest of your life, but it'd be ab- absolutely horrible. Well, yeah. yeah, it'd be absolutely horrible. horrible existence. I mean, as a kid, it's super cool because I remember as a kid we went to oh, the yeah. aquarium and we actually got to spend the night next to the beluga tank. Yeah, awesome. Absolutely, like and awesome you know, half of them, half of these animals are playful by nature and all that. Oh, they and are. They would come and up against the glass and everything yeah, like that. Exactly right. So, so it's, it's it's very cool. But they that, just don't have the space or anything that they require. Exactly. Exactly. And or the freedom. Well, uh-huh. yeah, or the freedom. And when, when you realize that you, if you look at a topo, uh, topography map or, or, or a picture of the site, you realize you have a very small enclosure where the animal is, mm-hmm. and it's miniature compared to the parking spots <laughs> just yeah. outside, which takes out yeah. <laughs> almost an acre, right? <laughs> if, if not more. So anyway, so Bill S-203 was actually introduced in 2015, but conservatives actually fought it all the way uh, so it took a while for it to actually make its way uh, in, into uh, legislation. So. Well, it's good that Excellent. the humane that the humane part of it is finally mm-hmm. y- y- going to come to fruition, rather than yeah, exactly. you know, let's let's just cage these animals up so that people can look at them. You know, now it's the the, the needs of the of that yeah. particular species and animal. No, I, I, it's good. It's, you know, it's good that they have an exception for if you do find an injured animal, because you know otherwise, if you just release them right away, you just can end it. 
to death. Yeah. I, I, I'm okay yeah, with they that. Can use, they I'm can okay use those that. facilities that were built like that, like Marineland and, and the Vancouver Aquarium, can be used to help rehabilitate And the they have done that in the past. To Absolutely. get the animal back out to the ocean, right? Yeah, that's, that, that's the goal. Yeah, Although that's some the of them end goal, and some, but sometimes... Well, Marineland, like Marine say... not so much, because that's inland. That's that's on the Great Lakes. So the poor, the yeah. poor cetacean would be having a very, very bad yeah. trip. Yeah. And you could tell sometimes, I remember the last time I, I went to uh, the Vancouver Aquarium and I couldn't help but notice that some of the dolphins, you know, it's almost like they're in the corner and they're not doing no, anything. They're like facing a wall and they're bobbing up and down. Oh, they they want to be left they alone. Need they something be, to do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They want to be so free, intelligent. Right? You, you can't help but think, you know, mentally what's going on in your brain there. That, that looks like somebody who's depressed. They're, de- they're depressed, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Anyway, moving on. You guys know this guy named Elon Musk? Oh, love yeah. him! Oh yeah, I love oh, him to death. Yeah. He, he launched a Tesla. I want to have his babies. <laughs> Using his Falcon Heavy rockets, he actually launched a car into space. And this car was supposed—it's on its way to orbit Mars. And this is all true. It missed Mars. Is it, it going to drift? It, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, apparently, they, they had some miscalculation. It's going to miss Mars, and now it's going to orbit somewhere between Mars and the uh, the uh, asteroid belt. I know. It's just it's just so fabulous. And the pictures they sent. Yeah, out, yeah. They. Um, I don't know if any of you ever watched the movie. Uh, oh, what was it? Heavy Metal. It was a cartoon. Oh my god! Seventies yes. Heavy Metal. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Or 80s, late, early 80s. And it was, uh, there was the first opening scene in Heavy Metal is a guy coming out of a space shuttle and he's in a sports car. And oh. he's got the space suit on in the sports car and he's, he lands on the planet with his sports car. Right? He takes <laughs> off down. And all I could think of, and, and there was other people that I work with, it was the exact same reaction. They said, Heavy Metal, man. That was right out of Heavy Metal. <laughs> Yeah, do you, you think Musk? That you think that's where Musk got his inspiration I think, to do that? I think it might have been. He owned the car. It was his car. Right? Uh, yeah, exactly. <clears throat> so he, he owns the company. So. No, no, yeah. it was his personal car. Yeah, no, yeah. it's his car. That was the first one. Like yeah. that was the one he took for for his own personal use, and he decided to put it up there. I think it's so cool. It's like, funny, but I got I got to ask. Does it have a dash cam? <laughs> it had six or seven cams. There we it go. had cams all over the car because yeah. they kept flipping between the the shots, like from the and the center. They put the "Don't Panic, Don't Panic" in the center dash area there, and that was for uh, that was in reference to uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah. But what people didn't know was there was a Hot Wheels version of the Roadster on the dash, oh. and the Hot Wheels version had a mannequin in a spacesuit in the Hot Wheels no version. Way. Oh. And they had the po- the sticker saying, don't panic on I the dash it. of the Hot Wheels car. <laughs> I love it. So apparently the... Uh... Oh, I hope you have his baby. We need <laughs> He's, that's so cool. It's just, I mean, it's just the ultimate cool. It was. It was the ultimate cool, cool and, and he did it on purpose. Yeah. yeah, he did that on purpose because yeah. he said we need to get people interested in this again. Yes, and, yes. and it know. also did serve a scientific purpose because oh, part of it was the U.S. military was wondering how to utilize that. That before the third stage, mm-hmm. I guess it went across uh, so many minutes or so many hours before they ignited the third stage, and part of that was a U.S. military request to find out if it could be done. So yeah. he was proving to the military that yes, we can do this. It's such as that. Also, right? well, even though it's a car, what he's he's actually launched there is cargo, right? And that was yeah. the point. See if it the was a point of the cargo, cargo, and and it and it got up there. I mean, the pictures. It was in beautiful condition. 
It suffered no damage from that launch. It was mm-hmm. beautiful. Oh, awesome. I mean, just to watch the launch and then to watch with the, the, the two stages come down, come back down. Yeah, it's a shame they lost the third stage. The third. Yeah, one. they lost the third, but, but the two of them. I mean, it was just fabulous. So now it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be on its way around the sun, where it's going to use the sun's gravity to make a loop and then head back towards Mars. Apparently, it should be coming close to Mars by 2020. I hope that inspires kids to get more interested in science yeah, and in space. in space exploration. We've, we you totally know, lost that in the uh, early 80s. And yeah, I think we no, totally this, need is, to get that back. this is Absolutely. sexy stuff. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Yeah, so uh, so uh, good good for Elon for doing something like that. And uh, of he's course, awesome. right away, you can help but find out that the flat earth conspiracy theorist <laughs> said it was all a hoax and never really happened and it's all done on a stage of course it is <laughs> nah, the, the shame the shame is the other billionaires who was it one of the other branson. billionaires uh, was it branson that's somebody congratulated him right away yeah. one, oh, of, one of his know. competitors actually congratulated uh, it probably is branson, right because well, branson at some point had yeah. uh, he wanted to do virgin galactic right well he he's still running that and there's another there's like eight different companies that are vying for positions in this commercial thing but yeah. for musk to actually pull it off and do it the other guys are actually looking at him with a thumbs up saying hey good job yeah exactly, right? exactly. and he's doing it for a price something like one-tenth of what nasa can do it for fantastic cool excellent perfect thank you guys nancy my dear you ready for I'm your up. your ready your, for the your top 10 ready for the top 10 so today's top 10 is um because of this wonderful holiday that's coming up this next week, Valentine's Day. Oh, you mean this whole made-up Hallmark thing? It's a made-up, <laughs> but it gives me a good excuse to do a top ten. So no. I, I always look for the look for the tie-ins. Anyway, so I thought that would be kind of fun, and this is really kind of a you know off off the, off center for us. But I wanted to do something Ooh, entirely baby. different. So today we're going to do the top 10 romantic love songs in honor of Valentine's Day. So when I went looking for the different websites that have the most romantic love songs, all of the websites are different. There's not a whole lot of um, uh, uh, agreement as to actually what the best love songs are so i took so sort we're doing of a the top blend. 10 of love songs well, top 10 only love on the show would you find such a thing top 10 <laughs> love songs here we go all right number 10 of the the top 10 is i can't stop loving you by ray charles anybody oh, know by ray charles ray charles i can't stop loving you that was um you never think of number ray charles one as for a romantic five guy. weeks in 1962 Way, 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 way back. Anyway, number nine. Does anybody remember the emotions? Yes. Okay, they did Best of My Love. Was okay. that a romantic song for anybody? Uh, no, not for me, me. But, but yeah, I, I can see it. Okay, number eight. There's sort of a tie um, in, in this position. It's either Michelle by the Beatles or First Time I Ever Saw Your Face by Roberta Flack. Anybody wow. ever into either of those? No, well, I, 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 well, we're still at number eight. The Beatles song, I recognize the Beatles song. I don't the recognize Beatles. the other one, but, but... Yeah, oh, first time ever I saw... Roberta Flack was like the queen of the most romantic Ooh. songs ever. All the college kids just absolutely went crazy. You're going to have to send crazy. me this list later so I can pull some of these songs. Yeah, from, right? yeah. 
yeah, be glad to be she, yeah, she, oh, yeah. yeah, she yeah. had a career just going to the different colleges because she was she had about three or four really romantic um, hits that but this one was was the was the real biggie um, number seven another tie um, in my life by the Beatles do you Ooh, remember wow. that song and then one of my all-time favors, You Are So Beautiful by Joe oh, Cocker. Oh, yeah. wow. That's a classic. Yeah. yeah. That one, yeah, I, was, I yeah, melt with that, that one. That I love that one. Um, number six. Curse <laughs> yeah. is going, I have no idea. I'm too young no, for any of these. No, they've probably heard some of them. It's just yeah. making you don't the recognize, connection. Yeah, you yeah. Don't yeah Joe, exactly. Cocker, Joe Cocker died just a couple of years ago. Yes, he was right. around for a long time, but he just had this rough voice with these beautiful lyrics and just it the was, voice and, an the, awesome and everything song. of the combination. Actually, just, Nancy, you'll have to send me, the, me this list. I've got a wedding coming up. Oh, there That's we right. go. Send me this there may list. Be, there may be a couple in here. I'll give you the list. Okay. Um, number six. You're going to remember this one. I'm surprised it was number six, but it depends on the list. And that's I Will Always Love You by Whitney Houston. Oh, yes. Yeah. 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 That's, yep. that's a great, great song. I, she had such a tremendous, powerful voice, and it's yeah. such a shame that she just died the way she did. Yeah. yeah. That, oh. was, that was number one for 14 weeks in 1992. Mm. Wow. And there are still people that just put that on and play it over and over because the ra- her voice range, especially at the end of that song, it's it just incredible. sends chills. Yeah, oh, it's yeah. a great song. Number five, I Just Called to Say I Love You, Stevie Wonder. Yeah. 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 Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah, that was, uh, that was a wonderful song. Well, I, anything Stevie does, you know. That's right. Oh, yeah. Don't torture our audience with your voice there. Yeah. You want to do a remake, Scott? <laughs> oh, I'd love to. Yeah, that's an awesome song. It is. Okay, number four, How Deep Is Your Love by the Bee Gees. Oh, wow. That was number one for three weeks in 1977. But the Bee Gees, they were fabulous. They I were. think I think only one of them, I forget which, which brother There's is. There's only one that stayed alive. One. Yeah. <laughs> but they they were they're oh marvelous. God. They were just a wonderful wonderful horrible. group. Yeah, they were they were great. Number three, um I don't know this one, so maybe maybe this is one that you know by Rihanna. We found love. Yeah. You oh, know that see, one? The, oh, the okay. young one amongst us knows it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Number, I think that's just because I've been in high school most um, recently. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Number two, I'll be there by the Jackson Five. That was number one for 14 weeks in 1994, so we, we're going back. Wow. Okay, here we go, and let's see if you recognize this song. This is pretty much number one, number two, number three on almost all the lists. It just kind of depends. So hit it, maestro. Let's see if you see recognize if you it. Recognize here we go. There's only you in Of the course. The only thing that Endless Love by Diana Ross and Lionel Richie. Richie. Exactly. That was number one for nine weeks, and this really goes back to 1981. There was another version that was made later on with Mariah Carey and Luther Vandross. Yeah. And I don't know, it still wasn't as good as this. No. Okay, so anybody got anybody got a favorite favorite love song that wasn't a favorite love song? Sure. Sam Cooke, What a Wonderful World. Oh yeah, that's a good. I'm one. surprised that didn't make it. Because it depends. That's... Uh, every list, I yeah. mean, every list is just 
you know, very... Well, there's so many love songs out there. There are so many, and and most of the lists don't even cover the Broadway musicals, like Some Enchanted Evening, and Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewildered, and If I Loved You, and Maria from West Side Story, so... I've got to say, there's there's one that kind of, for me and Christina, that kind of stands out is, um, because this is one of our favorite movies, is Tale as Old as Time. Is what? What? Tale as Old as Time from Beauty and the Beast. Oh, Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's good. My my favorite one never makes any any list, and it's uh, "What Are You Doing the Rest of Your Life?" Oh, I wow. guess that's a beautiful song. But who sings that? Um, it, it, it actually it's been done by a lot of different singers. There there is it's the song itself, but it's uh, it's a really beautiful. It's in minor key, which is you know something that's really pleasing for me. So. Mm. Cool. Yeah, and here's yeah, a, a great song. Here's a free little tip for you listeners out there about uh, Valentine's Day. Don't go into a mall and buy something to, you, to your significant other, like a sweater or something like that. This is just stupid. Don't buy something material. Buy an experience. I think that works way better. It does. And one of the things I'd recommend for the guys out there, if you're buying for your lady or, you know, lady buying to your old lady, buy her a star. You could do that. You could go to starregistry.com and you can actually purchase a star. And name it, and it will send you back the star. Well, I don't the star. I, <laughs> the star coordinates. Yeah, it is. I, I did that years ago. Yes. I thought about that from my from my husband, mm-hmm. and it comes in a beautiful, beautiful frame. It, have you seen? Oh, I have. The way, they're have. gorgeous. They're really yeah. well done. And sometimes they'll send you also. You can have the purpose, uh, the purchase also come with a rose or two or something yeah. like that as well. Oh, so wow. it's a, oh, I think it's, it's a, and it's not all that. It expensive. more her name in the sky. Yeah. In a way, right. It's not all that expensive. I think no. it was somewhere. I mean, when I did it, it was like thirty-five bucks, and I don't. No, think it's it, like seventy-five, 75 bucks now. Mil- but yeah. sometimes uh, you can have a package of a binary star, so you have like two of them. Because most of the stars in the skies are actually binary uh, systems. I think that's one of the most romantic yeah, gifts ever. So. It's just just great, and it, and they do record that star in some some book. It's registered exactly. So, yeah. yeah, so <laughs> you'll never actually have the star, but it's something very romantic to do for sure. It really very. is. It, yeah. I mean, it's it's an everlasting, forever, you know, way you say I love you to somebody. So it's exactly. great. Exactly. Yeah. Perfect. A similar route. I we went to the uh, the planetarium. Oh, there we go. That works. So that was a free tip for us, from us. <laughs> space guys. Space. space. Guys. Yeah, exactly. Think of space. Space is romantic. Okay, so I guess it's time to move on to our other segment that we all love called... The heck was that? Another Brilliant Moment. Brought to you by religion. Right after all the romantic... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Talk about back into something stupid. completely different. <laughs> now, did you guys know? Well, you guys know that soccer is a very popular sport all over the world, and especially in India, it's very popular in India. But a ban has been imposed against the Isla- uh, against the Islamic women uh, by the uh, pro- uh, prominent fatwa Darul Ulum Dioban in Uttar P- uh, Par- Pradesh from watching the game of soccer in television as it projects quote. The bare legs and thighs of players. Uh oh. So women are not allowed to wash the legs of some guys. Mm. What are you chewing? I can hear you chew stuff. My teeth. Oh. Okay. Mm. You're chewing your teeth. Which is a shameful act for the community as it stands against the laws and practices of Islam. So, uh. <laughs> apparently, ladies, I'm sorry, you cannot wash the legs of guys. Uh. <laughs> 
Oh, well. This seems what? to be a drawn from a similar ban imposed in Saudi Arabia in 2015. <laughs> Quote, the guy says, the cleric says, Do you have no shame? Do you not fear God? You let her watch these kinds of things? He said on the sermon. Why do women need to watch these football matches? What will they gain by looking at footballers' thighs? Their attention will not be on that, uh, will only be on that, and they will not even miss... And they will even miss the score. And why is he worried about it? This guy's really preoccupied with what other people are experiencing in their heads. He believes Uh. that it could be captivating for the women to watch legs of men other than their husbands. That's why. Ooh, legs. Oh, my. That's almost like the whole here in in schools here. Ooh, shoulders. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. I can see your ankle. Yeah. Oh, go back to Victorian times. That was, uh, you know, you, you couldn't show your ankle. Yeah. So Islam well, has listed that's various. That's the way Islam is now. You can't show that's ankle. Right. You, can't you can't show, show anything. Can't right. even show their face in a lot of places. That's true. Islam has listed various sinful actions. Shameful bodies. Shameful. Shameful. Yeah. Uh, just these people are so sick. Yeah. When do we get? Re- when do we get to annihilate these religious nutcases? Uh, well. Eventually, religion, all religions die. All gods go to their own grave eventually by education is the best weapon against all this stuff. Uh, so anyway, according to the laws of the community, commonly known as harams, injecting tattoos, slaughtering animals without saying Allah's name, men wearing silk and gold, and furthermore has been forbidden by the saints and the fatwas. Really? <laughs> yep. That's Islam for you. All right. Cuckoo. Cuckoo. <laughs> Okay. Well, how in the world can you control people if you don't put prohibitions that you know that they're afraid? Of? This is the ultimate control. You can't do this. You oh, can't do it's that. It's just you so sad. That. It's like that's right. Why would you want to control people? I don't understand. Power. Where it's, it's called power and control. Power. I guess I'll just never be someone in charge because I don't seek that power. No. Nope. Sorry. But the funny thing is, if you didn't, I'm I'm sure people would follow you a lot. Better. I feel like if you try Make a and constrict people and constrict people, you're going to have those rebellions pop up. Well, that's what the guns are for. They buy lots of AK-47s. <laughs> very true. Very true. Yeah. All right. Here's another story. Now, recently, we've all been hit with the flu. Every year, many people die because of the virus, right? But Gloria Copeland, that name should ring a bell to you. Yes. Like Kenneth Copeland? Oh, yeah. And by Gloria Copeland, an evangelical prosperity gospel con artist, whose church is based in Texas, told the members of a congregation this week that they don't need to get the shot because Jesus already took the shot for them. The flu shot. Uh-huh. Jesus took and, the flu and, shot for them? Yes. And she says what? this was done how? Well, I don't know, but when I was in oh, line for that flu shot, I thought it. the guy in front of me was just a hippie. Turns out it was Jesus. Yeah, uh... I, I'm, I'm thinking I would love to stick these people in a cage. And say, no, no, you don't need water. Jesus drank for you. You don't need food. Jesus ate for you. Oh, you want water. Oh, I see. Just Just pray. So she says, quote, Listen, partners, we don't have a flu season, Copeland declared, and don't receive it. We don't have a flu season. And don't receive it when somebody threatens you with it. When everybody gets the flu, we've already had our shot. He bore our sickness and carried our disease. That's what we stand on. Then she said a prayer for those with the flu and pretended that she wasn't. She has the power to magically cure people afflicted with it. Flu, I bind you off the people in the name of Jesus, Copeland continued. Uh. 
Jesus himself gave us the flu shot. He redeemed us from the curse and of flu, and we receive and take what we are, and take and we are healed. Somebody give me a brick. I want to bash my brain. <laughs> Scott, if you're gonna do that, do it outside. You'll make a mess, and we'll have to clean it up. She just I kept, don't care. She just kept saying, "I'll never have the flu. Inoculate yourself with the word of God." Well, she, you know, all this time. All this time, I had no idea. No. When people like this walk in a room, can you actually feel the intelligence lower? Like, <laughs> you probably can. <laughs> Who would want to walk into the room in the first oh. place? Oh, man. Yeah, so all this time when I when I kind of had the, the sickness in the past couple of weeks and my voice was all different, all I had to do was say, Jesus, please heal me, and that was it. That's- God, I had Why no do idea. we have doctors? Why do we have hospitals? We don't need we them. We don't need them. We don't need them. Because Such a waste. Jesus. Jesus. Such a waste. Exactly. Why, why go to school for all these years to become a doctor? So Gloria, apparently, she sounds just like her husband, who apparently once told the military servicemen and women that they can prevent PTSD or cure it by simply converting to Christianity. And believing <laughs> to... Uh, <laughs> really? Yep. Quote, So this is a promise. If you do the th- this thing and you arm yourself before the Lord for the war, you shall return. You're coming back and be guiltless before the Lord and before the nation. Are you, any of you suffering from PTSD right now? You listen to me. You get rid of that right now. You don't take drugs to get rid of it. It doesn't take psychology. That promise right, uh, that promise right there will get rid of it. That was it. That was, that was her husband, Kenneth. Oh, so, they, I mean, it's know, like, it's, it's, it's religious snake oil salesmen. Oh, there's it's, no it's difference so between, sell, there's no difference between selling religion that way and having a bottle I, of, you know. I, I really love it when they nothing. bring, when they bring soldiers into it and, and talk about how God is going to take care of them. And uh, so if you had two Christian armies and both of them have, well, wouldn't that be the immovable object meeting the unstoppable object? <laughs> yeah, probably. Because both of them have prayed. I'm sh- pretty sure nobody prayed, hey, let us lose, God. You know, they all prayed, let us win. Yeah. They all prayed, keep me safe. Well, somebody's got to lose. Well, and the fact, that, the, fact that, the fact that you believe in a God, that t- a God that takes sides in a war to begin with, right there, is a bit of something you should be asking yourself. Um, so it turns out that her anti-flu message comes as Texas was dealing with a flu epidemic that has already claimed the life of 2,300 people. Ow. This year. Yeah. In Texas alone? In Texas alone. Ouch. Right? Wow. So, uh, I don't know. So does that put guilt? That's I mean, d- d- if, 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 if they're selling this idea to people, this you know, you, d- does that mean that if you get the flu and die... That you didn't have enough faith? Is that throwing the, Oh, yeah. That's guilt, just, is, is that another guilt? You didn't trip? believe enough. Yeah. You, you didn't, didn't have believe enough, faith. enough? Yeah, of course. It's, it's, their, it's their cop out, right? It's yeah. their cop out. It's, yeah, it's, it's insane. And this, these kind of messages are just dangerous. They are just plain dangerous. They are yeah. dangerous. They are dangerous. And the, the fact that, you know, it's even it's sad that in the 21st century people are falling for this. I mean, it's sad that people are actually perpetuating it. Yeah. Well, you know, there's always going to be people to take advantage of people's gullibility and try to make a bug off it. There's always but why going to be can't that, they, but. Okay, so why isn't this a crime? You know, we should... We're, we're in a scientific in the US it's society called, now. Because in the U.S., it's, somebody, it's their First Amendment right. That's why. Well, yeah, but when you mislead people into death, isn't that the same as manslaughter? <sighs> That's a good I feel question. like there's a lot of fine and blurred lines there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think you're quite right on that. Well, I don't know. I don't know whether intent. I, I mean, there's a. You get into a lot of iffy. Um, yeah, and topics. Well, I, I actually like the fact that we convicted that couple 
did we not convict that couple where their their child died of? Yeah, I mean you uh, can. Okay, that's what I, that's what I'm talking about right yeah. there. Right? Because oh, that's what I'm saying. A, their intent yeah. was good. Their intent was good. Yeah. But all practical sense said, you idiot, go to the freaking doctor. Okay. Yeah. You're telling people out there, oh, no, you only need to believe. You don't need a doctor. Well, that in itself is criminal. It is. That, that's what willful neglect. Well, or, it would be, but in, in her, she would say that if she was to be prosecuted for that, she would say, you can't, you can't attack me for this because it is my sincerely held religious belief. And at that point, your your whole intent thing falls, right? I guess I guess when your sincerely held belief runs into common sense of what keeps people alive, it's just that, at yeah. that point you know better. You can't starve somebody to death. You can't withhold food and water and, and medicine, medical. And That's medicine. right. And yeah. they're they're basically. Sh- Telling Those people, are, yeah. don't go to the medicine. Don't don't do that. Oh, that's bad. People are going to die, and people are dying. Yeah. Uh, that's criminal. It is. Yeah, exactly. Okay, that's oh. enough for that. All right. Well, thank you so much for that, guys. So let's take a uh, quick break, and we'll be right back with our old friend David Fitzgerald. So stay with Ooh, us. Oh, good. <laughs> right on. <laughs> Hi, I'm the Supreme Irreverend Dr. Randy Tyson from the Legion of Reason Diversion. Join me and my co-hosts, Christine Shelska, Twyla, and Nate Phelps, as we explore issues at the intersection of atheism, humanism, and skepticism. Topics range from alternative medicine to the interference of religion in public policy. We often have special guests to help us understand the topic du jour. Previous guests include biologist Jerry Coyne, ex-Muslim author Ali Rizvi, philosopher Peter Bogosian, and the late physicist Victor Stanger. You can watch us on the Legion of Reason YouTube channel or subscribe to the audio version through your favorite podcatchers such as iTunes or Stitcher. And don't forget to like the Legion of Reason Facebook page. Do you know where Saskatchewan is? Probably not. It's in Canada. If you do, you might know a city named Regina. In Regina, there's a studio. And in that studio, there are, at least once a month, a bunch of skeptical atheist geeks and goofballs who get together to do a podcast. We are the Brainstorm Crew, and we're trying to help spread a bit of reason and critical thinking while still having fun. Never taking things too seriously, but still not accepting everything we're told, we go through different topics, exploring them in depth, and often disagreeing. We try to stick to provable facts, and we never trust a myth. That's why we say we're woo-free since 2013. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, or Spreaker under Brainstorm. Or check out our website, brainstormblog.net. I can't promise you'll always agree with us, but I can promise you'll have fun listening to us. Every night on television we see satire, we see comedy, we see people poking fun at politicians and all sorts of things. Why should religion, especially the Muslim religion, why should that be immune from people making fun of it? Not that this is making fun of it, I understand, but even so, why should you think that Islam should be uniquely immune from the things that politicians are not immune from and the rest of us are not immune from? Why are you so privileged in taking offense? All right, perfect. Well, that got us all in the mood for something. <laughs> well, I'm sweating now. I've been dancing away here. Just, ah. This reminds me, actually. You know that she's right now needs people to give her a, a thousand hours of airtime between now and the like, next 12 days. What? Who needs that? I want everyone to say, 
Nice to meet you. I'm here. Uh, you're you're uh, you're being drawn by the music there, Dave. I, I hear that. Is this part of the show, or are we just having a pre? I don't know. I thought this is on your end, isn't it? Oh shoot! Oh, I'm so sorry. I thought this this whole time I thought it's been you guys. I'm It's part of the show now. <laughs> oh my god. That's five minutes of the show gone right there. <laughs> oh my god, I'm so sorry guys. Okay, I can't. No, no, oh, that's can't. awesome. You know what? I cannot guarantee I'm not gonna I think I'm gonna leave this in there. This is just too brilliant. <laughs> Ring the bell. Ring the bell. Well, no, but Shelly Seagal, they changed the uh, the rules on YouTube. So she needs like a thousand viewer hours in the next twelve days. What? Uh, so that's why I've got her on repeat on my other uh, on my laptop. Uh, but it was so funny. I did, I'd forgotten that I had her on repeat, so I thought you guys were playing her. So. No, 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 no. We're just we're just looking at each other and saying, "Okay, Dave is in a mood. He's <laughs> in a good mood today." Right. Yeah. yeah, no, the heck, the heck with the interview. Just put the music back on, and we'll all dance. So much better. So much better. Oh. Well, joining us on the line again, once again, is one of our favorite guests, and he actually happened to be at uh, one of the top ten shows of last year. He was in yes, number five spot. It's our old friend David Fitzgerald. David, thank you so much for joining us yet again at Left of the Valley. Hi, guys, and my co-host Sean <laughs> Siegel. <laughs> that was just absolutely brilliant. Oh, uh, Dave. <laughs> you, <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> Well, no, no, no. This is why you're one of our absolutely favorite guests. Absolutely, you know? absolutely. Always something new and different. <laughs> Always something new and different. Though, no joke, though. We all should be watching her on YouTube this week. Okay, um, got it. This weekend, she needs the she needs the clicks. What? What's her name? Shelly Siegel. Shelly Siegel. Yeah, S H E L E Y S E G A L. And if you've not heard her music, she's an atheist singer, songs singer songwriter, and they're all that good. They're just she just blows me away. I'm oh, always looking for new the, atheists. So. Why, why, why does she need a thousand hours? Say again. Why, yeah, what? she needs she needs a thousand hours in the within the next twelve days of viewing time because they've changed the way they do um, uh, advertising. I guess apparently. Oh, oh, so if she doesn't get that, she won't get the advertisements. Exactly. She won't get them, she won't, she'll get demonetized. Is what they call it. She'll get the, exactly. That's exactly what's happening. Yeah. Um, though she would be a great guest for your show. Sounds like you would love her. I think it's a great idea. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll look her up for sure. If you got a she contact, definitely please sings send it to me. Nice. Uh, yeah, you can find her on Facebook through me if you want to. Fantastic. Uh, you, I will look her up. Trouble. I will absolutely. But anyway, look her up. but anyway, <laughs> Dave, uh, you've been one of our favorite guests in the past, and uh, but we always have new listeners. Would you be so kind, maybe, to give them a quick Reader's Digest version of who David Fitzgerald is? Sure. Uh, my name is Dave Fitzgerald. I live in San Francisco, and I've been an atheist activist for ooh, a long time now, about <laughs> pushing 20 years or more. Um, but I'm best known, I think, for a book I wrote in 2010 called Nailed, 10 Christian Myths That Show Jesus Never Existed at All. What a fantastic uh, book. You rock. <laughs> Thank you, sir. And uh, since then, I've written some other books, including a science fiction trilogy that's out now. The first book is out now. Mm, yes, and that's right. what we're going to be talking about today. This I've got to pick up. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. You, you you decide to, instead of doing the, the, the types of book that you've done in the past, which are, 
uh, about uh, historicity and mythicism, uh, you yes. decided to do something completely science fiction, and it's called Time Shards. That's right. So explain to us what Time Shards is. Great. Um, well, the idea of the book, um, it, in a nutshell, there's a catastrophe that takes place in the 23rd century, and what it does is it shatters the timeline um, to the extent that uh, when everything coalesces back together, like over here it's 1492, over there it's 5 million BC, you walk a little further, it's 1776. Um, the characters are all from these different times. Uh, the main character is a, a girl from San Diego from 2015, and um, the other main character is a British Celt from the first century. And these two and this ragtag group of um, adventurers with them find out what's um, causing the event and how they have to, they are the ones who have to save the world, basically. Um, so they're going through this post-apocalyptic landscape that's, um, it's got all the best elements of a time travel story and a post-apocalyptic story. Hmm. It's a, just a really this fun. This sounds interesting. I have to read this book. So there's, it's super fun. There's nobody in there with a sonic screwdriver, right? <laughs> no sonic <laughs> screwdrivers. Though, Doctor Who would love this. Uh, it's, <laughs> so, it's so, uh timey wimey stuff <laughs> that is the best kind of stuff yeah exactly it's filled with that and the, the reviews i'm so stoked because the reviews have been off the hook for it oh uh, good excellent that was my and, that was my and it's well deserved i'm sure now you thank you thank you 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 just released this this happened like very recently right very recently uh it's not even two weeks i don't think two wow. weeks okay wow. so it's brand new and the brand reviews new. are the reviews are very good so far Oh, excellent, yeah. excellent. Now, what prompted you, because because we know you from your, your previous work, obviously, which we just adore, well, what prompted you to do science fiction all of a sudden? It's very funny. Um, a couple years ago, my wife Dana and I were driving back from Comic-Con, and uh, we were just talking about random things, and um, I was telling her about this idea I had for a role-playing game in college, and um, it, it basically it was, it was time shards, and she said... Um, she got chills as I was telling her that. And she said, oh, Dave, we've got to turn this into a book. And uh, so as soon as we got home, we pitched it to her agent at Titan, and they snapped it right up. And now we've got to crank out two more books in the series before too long because um, the, the response to the first one has been really uh, exciting. Oh, and, your wife, and your wife is an author as well? She is an author as well. In fact, we co-wrote this book together. Oh, Perfect, fantastic. She's, she's written other science fiction, more urban fantasy sort of things for this uh, company, Titan UK. Okay. Um, she's written a zombie apocalypse trilogy. It's sort of been called uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer meets The Walking Dead. It's oh. called uh, Plague Town, Plague Nation, Plague World. That's the, those three titles of that. And she also started a new trilogy called Lilith, or Spawn of Lilith, rather. That's an uh, interesting character. They've got a, um, she's a, Hollywood stunt woman who's actually finds out that she is um, a descendant of Lilith, the um, the Old Testament figure. The Old Testament. Oh, really? Oh, I'm intrigued all of a sudden with that one too. <laughs> so, so David, when you wrote the book, did you have a series in mind, or as you wrote it, you realized there were so many stories that you could tell with these characters, it just sort of morphed into a series? Well, it, we definitely had a, a story arc for the trilogy. Um. Of where it's going to start and where it's going to end, um, but there was such a wild card of what can happen in between that 
um, that it, it, it's it's been growing bigger and bigger as as the as as it comes closer to to becoming a, a, a full blown trilogy. Now I, I'm just gonna just gonna make a, a sidebar here um, on the same question that Nancy was asking because uh, I'm, what I'm try- I'm curious about is for for example if you take the 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 example of Star Wars, why the first movie Star Wars came out as a movie on its own. But it was so I, popular that it developed into a whole universe. Is that what ha- yeah. you think is happening with your book? Or you no, already- not at all. Not at all. We we knew right from the get go this was going to be a trilogy, and we knew it was going to end at this one point, and uh, book two is going to end at another point, and and the book one and book two and book three they all start the second that the, the previous book ends. So it's 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 one big long story. Oh wow. Okay. So not not even a time gap or anything like that. It just jumps nope. into it. Yeah. Ha ha ha! Yeah. You said time gap. <laughs> <laughs> so, are you having? Are you enjoying the writing style that that it takes to do the fiction as much as you have with the nonfiction, or is this a totally different experience for you? Well, you know what's crazy, ironic about it is normally I like switching back and forth between fiction and nonfiction because they both have their different, um, you know, pros and cons. Yeah, fiction. Fiction I love because it's research heavy, um, and uh, sorry, nonfiction I love because it's research heavy. Fiction I love is because you can make everything up and not have yeah. to worry about whether it's true or not. But this book sort of had the worst of both worlds. It's like okay, you have to make everything up and you have to do it using rules, you know, as much historical research as you do for his- <laughs> history. So I've got just as many books floating around the living room right now as I did when I was working on the the Jesus Mything in Action books. Um, they're just different books now, <laughs> but, the, but the piles of books are still just as high. Well, I'd like uh, to point out that you haven't written any nonfiction work because the, you know, your previous books were about Jesus, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd see what you did there. <laughs> oh, he's full of it today. Yeah. So, so. How does an quote unquote amateur historian decide to talk about books about time travel and stuff like that? Well, I mean, as much as I hate calling myself a historian, I am a historian. I mean, I, yeah. I have a degree in history, and history is my jam. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, even though I don't like to tout myself as a historian because, you know, I'm not in academia, um, the fact is I still think like a historian um, and do work like a historian. And as and, and my wife says, it is my jam. Yeah. <laughs> the woman behind the no, mirror. No, let's, let's tell the yeah. truth. You just keep writing so that you can come on the air with us. That's, yeah, that's, that's, it, that's, that's it. it. That's it. That's it. Yeah. He's got his fan base right here. <laughs> I can't quit you. <laughs> okay, so so can you give us maybe a, a, a brief, brief idea of what the book is going to be like? I mean, you, you've talked to basically you've got two main characters, and what, what happens to them? Yeah, well, the book starts out... Um, Without giving us too much, because you want people just, to go yeah, out there no, and buy. No spoilers, please. <laughs> it just There's a, a couple little um, paragraphs saying that, you know, imagine time as a, a physical thing, like a stained glass window that containing every moment from the beginning of time to the end of the universe. And now imagine if that shatters and then comes back together again. And that analogy kind of echoes what a character says later on in the book. Um and we, in the first couple of chapters, we see that happening. We see it bounces around in time uh, and places on Earth just before what we call the event happens, and we see the impact it is on all these people, including our our main characters. 
and then they find themselves uh one finds themselves in the in um in the middle of the pleistocene era and the other one finds himself well i don't want to give away too much but basically they are crossing these this post-apocalyptic landscape that's made up of pieces of the past so one of our characters is basically going through the ice age another one is going through you know prehistory british prehistory um and trying to get find out what happened none of them has any idea what just happened they just realize that something has gone dreadfully dreadfully wrong with the universe uh but as they keep running into people they start putting the puzzles together and um once they meet one character who may have the answers to what caused it, things get really, really interesting. Um, there's lots of different time travel tropes involved, but there's also, they run across some things that, okay, where's this coming from? I don't remember this from our history books. This is, it gets very weird, very quick. I like it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an exciting book. Yeah. So the reader gets an, the reader can, can get into, um, some interesting, uh, uh historical periods that uh, they might want to look up, uh, um, you know, after, after the book, you know, is already read, which is kind of I nice too. Yeah. I would, as a history buff, I would totally love that if that happened. Um, because I certainly had to really dig it deep into the history to make the story happen. Even if not, not everything makes its way into the story. Um, generally the things I write, um, there's, uh, like an iceberg of stuff that doesn't make it into the story, but it, you have to know this much to put this much on the paper, if that makes sense. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you and, know, even if, even if the readers don't always see it. No, it's, it's uh, lovely to be able to use your love of, of history in, in a totally different way. And as we say, it's just spark some interest, you know, from, from readers that, that may not have liked history uh, when they were in school, but in your format, it just brings a, a whole other dimension to what they m- might want to do some, some further reading on, which is great. Mm-hmm. I think that's fabulous, too, and I, that's, my, that's my hope for it, too, because history is fascinating, and it's especially when you can get in the heads of people who don't think the way we do. They don't have the same presuppositions. They don't, have, they don't realize the world works in the same way we do. Um, and they do some things better than we do, you know, um, in some ways they're more in touch with nature and, and, and how to survive nitty gritty. Uh, and it's just, it's really fun to just throw all these people from all these different times in the same room, literally, and have them talk it out and, and, uh, work together to, to make, um, you know, to go on this mission to save the world. Mm-hmm. Now, David, your 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 primary audience, maybe not for this book, but the people that know you most are, are, are an audience of skeptics and atheists and all that. And you know how they how critical they can get of things that pertain to science. What? <laughs> <laughs> so, so in your books, because I'm assuming yeah. that the first ones are gonna the the first people that are gonna buy your books are the people that have been like ourselves that have been following you for a while. So, how how detailed did you go, and how faithful were you to the science? I mean, for example, we are all speaking English right now, but if all of us right. were transported in 1681, oh, yeah. the English yeah, yeah. wouldn't be we wouldn't be able to actually communicate with these people. Not that they don't have the same English. How detailed well, did you go in your book on on things like that? When I'm not being a history buff, I'm being a linguistics buff. So, oh. <laughs> yeah, the, the, our two main characters for all of book one. Almost all book. No, no, that's all book one. They don't speak this. They don't have any language in common except a smattering of Latin. Um, and uh, so, yeah, we we definitely do get into the language bit um, and all the repercussions of that. Um, and it has been super fun. 
Absolutely. And, and, and of course, if, if you get uh, one of your characters that's pushing to the Pleistocene uh, era, all of a sudden you have to think of different oxygen levels and stuff like that <laughs> and how it would actually well, impact them. It was funny. We had to like really pick and choose, all right, which, which rules of laws of physics are we going to obey and which laws of physics are we going to throw out the window? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, it, it's, that would make a fun little article on you know, why, A, this could never possibly happen in real life, and B, how we made it work anyway. Yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah, so I'm thinking the Pleistocene period was like 24% oxygen, wasn't it? Yeah. No, it was I, some high amount. It was high. It was, it was higher yeah. than what we have now. That's for sure. Uh, yeah. So, so um, well, they, here's, here's, here's one thing. I mean, these are all great questions to ask, but um, one thing to keep in mind, it's not that the times, um, what am I trying to say? It's not like you go across a boundary and all of a sudden you're in the, the, the Pleistocene era. It's the Pleistocene era. Ha- this chunk of the Pleistocene era has come and landed on the planet now. Oh. Um, so we have all these, all these things are, are working together and, um, but in, in piecemeal. So, Ooh. um, there, you know, that does send chills down my spine thinking, thinking about it. So, yeah. so, so in a way, maybe, maybe you, you can correct me if I'm wrong here. The, per, the, the character is not traveling in time. It's time itself that moves uh, in traveled, a different... Yeah. Well, we didn't land on Plymouth Rock. Plymouth Rock landed on us. Kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. That sounds incredibly interesting. Are you going on a book tour to um, various places like Vancouver? <laughs> <laughs> this is no joke. If you look at my Facebook page, the first public uh, sighting of a book in a bookstore is from Vancouver, BC. There we go. Oh. Wicked. Still on my, it's still on my cover page of, of uh, found Facebook. Well, pack your bags and come on up here. Yeah. No joke. No joke. Yeah. Let's talk yeah. after the Dave show. Dave comes up here, we'll have to do a show live with him in the studio. That'd be absolutely awesome. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Dave, uh, of course... Um, being being a, a guy that's scientifically minded and all that, do you feel that you know science is constantly changing in some ways? Our understanding of it, anyway. Do you feel that this might impact your book as the way it ages? Well, here's the thing. I mean, anytime you put down anything on paper, you're in danger of some story showing up the next day and making everything mm. wrong. You know, different. I mean, Jurassic Park. Here's a perfect example. We all love Jurassic Park, and yet. Since the movie first came out, we know that velociraptors had feathers. We know that dinosaurs, you know, T-Rexes had feathers. And that's something we still are, are that, that trope is still being shaken. Yeah. So I'm trying to keep up with the, the tropes as best we could um, and the history as best we could. Um, like, you know, the, the, the opinion on, on the significance of a person or an event, that changes through um, the course of history, too. Um, so it's it's... You know, as they say, history is going to change. It always does, um, and, uh, and we do try to keep up with that. Yes. Mm. So, so David David Fitzgerald is now is can we say now David Fitzgerald is going to be a full time writer? Is this something that you 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 just had a bite of it, or is some or is it a one time shot, or is it something you're going to pursue and pursue? Honestly, I've been a full time writer for ten years now, and that's not going to change anytime soon. If anything, it's going to get worse. So it could be uh, the next Ray Redbird, <laughs> or better. I mean, it's... better. <laughs> I meant, I meant as far as a a, a life commitment. Um, but I I had to stop doing um, erotica when I came out with the book Nailed, um, and 
I'm still now I've got to get these two books out before I can get the next book in the complete heretics guide series out mm-hmm. the uh, sex and violence in the Bible book and I'm still dying to do that book oh tell me you're cooperating with Daryl Ray for this oh yeah oh yeah of that. course of course Love that man of yeah. course Daryl's absolutely awesome Sounds like you've got your future planned for quite a while. Yeah. It does. It it really does. And the worst thing about being an author is you feel like you are on the clock 24-7. And <laughs> as long as those books are, are not out yet, it's like TikTok, Dave. Get going. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. And like you said, Nancy asked if you were projecting a book tour. And at this point, uh, there really hasn't been one, right? No, that's not true. Actually, we we started in San Diego for the the premiere, and then we had a um, a, a, a premiere launch here in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is a book tour of sorts, uh, just kind of piecemeal. Okay. Uh, we live in the era where authors pretty much have to do this on their own until they get to Stephen King level, and then the book tours take over. Yeah. But in the meantime, uh, everybody else has to make their own. So. Yeah, having somebody like say come to Vancouver, that's actually the first start in making something like that happen. Fantastic, perfect. Yeah. Any, I would love it. anything else. You, uh, your fans and your potential readers need to know about the book. Um, it's available at uh, on the internet, and but if you can buy it from your local independent bookstore, that would be a joy to me because we need it to support our independent bookstores. Um, ask your library if they carry it. Um, mm-hmm. It's a it's a super fun book. I can't tell you how heartened I am to get the reviews back from people I don't know and have never heard of, and who just love the book and the characters, um, and how fun it is. Are you going to record? A, are you going to record? I'm sorry, I interrupted you. <laughs> Go ahead. Oh. I'll, I'll ask after you get through. Oh no! If you're going to ask about the audio book, yeah. Yeah. Well, Oh, we can't talk about that yet, but yeah. we can't. <laughs> well, it's probably he, he's probably going to collaborate Stay with. Stay tuned. Uh, Stay tuned. Wink, wink. Yeah, wink, yeah. Wink. I'm assuming assuming you'll collaborate with your uh, old friend uh, David Smalley. I'm assuming on this. Uh, you can't say uh, it. Okay, you can't say it. This is okay, well, from publishing altogether, for one thing, I, I should say. Okay. So, okay, we'll pretend we didn't ask the question. We didn't ask the question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's all up in post, right? <laughs> so, as part, uh, uh, of course, the next two uh, time shards will be out fairly soon, I'm assuming? Well, when you project them to be out? Um, one, book two will be out by the end of this year. Probably, probably this time next year. Okay. In January of uh, twenty. What year is this? <laughs> 2019. 2018. And then 2020 will be the, the third book. Fantastic, nice. fantastic. And, of course, they can always uh, email you personally if they want to get an autographed copy. Absolutely. Oh, well, it, it, it's tricky because these aren't self-published, so I, we have to get them from the publisher. So, oh. actually, um, the what I can do is uh, get a book plate autographed to you. So, that in that sense, yes, you can. Oh, okay. um, but you need to buy the book. You need to buy the book, and then I will. I can get you a book. So, so how about how about I buy the book and then send it to you, and you can autograph it and send it back to me. That would also work. That would also work. Perfect. Excellent. Uh, David, uh, aside the purely science fiction, there, uh, what other projects are you working on? Um, honestly, this one is pretty much taken over our life. Um, Dana is also working on book two in the Lilith trilogy. And, or whatever elegy it's going to wind up being the septilogy, <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, and actually Dana has just gotten a hip replacement surgery and has the other one scheduled oh. for March fifth. Between those two facts, those 
that's keeping our life pretty busy right well, now. Yeah, well, well I hope she's comfortable. Give her our best. Well, it's because we'll she, she keeps kicking Dave, right? Eventually, it takes a toll on your hip, and then she keeps kicking him. <laughs> Do you hear that? That's why she needs the hip replacement. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Dave, you know, I, I'll, I'll have to say, uh, I'm really, really curious about the book, and you know, and frankly, I don't like novels, but I'm really, really curious about this, and I really actually want to go and buy this, and I hope everybody else does. Uh, if anybody else uh, wants to get a hold of you, how can they get a hold of you, Dave? Um, best way to do it is probably on Facebook. Uh, you can always email me at everybodylovesdave at gmail.com. That's totally true. Um, and again, I, uh, I, I'm very excited to see what you guys think about the book because we are super proud of it. And, uh, um, and uh, yeah, we're, we're jazzed to see the rest of the book trilogy come out. Well, I'm glad you and your wife had this wonderful idea as you were driving yeah, in the car, exactly. and, and you got home and said, yeah, we can do this, and here we are. A great idea came out of Comic-Con. Yeah. And it was just that easy, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Dave, that was a, that was a, thank you so much for, uh, for helping us with, with, uh, with this today. Uh, we certainly appreciate it. We wish you the best of luck out there in getting those books. Uh, but before we let you go, i got to have you say, Hi, I'm David Fitzgerald, and I took a left at the valley. Hi, I'm David Fitzgerald, and I took a left at the valley. How's that? And that was David Fitzgerald. <laughs> I think he's you my know, hero he now. Really, Absolutely. Really, I, just, I just adore him because <laughs> David it's, is just, just awesome. it's just like sitting at, at the co- sitting at the kitchen table mm-hmm. and talking to one of your buddies that you've known forever and ever. It just Absolutely. it just flows back and forth so nicely. Absolutely, he's and, great. And you know, he he. he insp- I don't know. He inspires me to do a lot of things. I mean, uh, like I said, you know, I've, I've never was a, no- a fan of novels, but. You know, I'm really going to go and get this one, and it's been a long time since I read a novel. Well, there's a he's difference got... because he, you know, he combines historical events. He yes. combines the scientific. He puts in characters that are believable. So for you, it's a no-brainer fiction because it combines all the things you like already. It just It's in a, you know, a fiction form. Exactly, exactly. So we're just going to have a blast reading that, and I certainly also highly, highly recommend his previous book, Jesus Smithing in Action yeah. Nailed. They're just fantastic, fantastic books. Yeah. David Fitzgerald is awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show, guys. It was a great show as per usual. You can find us on leftatvalley.com. You can find us at, on Facebook, on Twitter, at LATV Podcast. Send us an email at leftatvalley at outlook.com. Send your complaints to Nancy on the third level. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but if you have a complaint, put it to music because today <laughs> today we started a whole new tradition. Preferably Barbara Streisand. Barbara Streisand That's would right. be good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or the Bee Gees. I'm good the with Bee the Bee Gees. The Bee Gees are okay. A love yeah. song. Send Nancy a love song. On the third. <laughs> oh, please do. <laughs> <laughs> and you can always follow also a little sister show so you think you're a skeptic by our friend Tyler he's doing this on Facebook on Sundays or Mondays depends on the time alright coming up uh, next week we'll have our old friend Luke Feverin that's coming back and uh, we'll be talking about uh, religion inserting itself into schools now we were supposed to do a show on the 25th about the LGBT we were supposed to do it live at the stage unfortunately the stage decided to withdraw uh, because they're doing renovations, so we're still doing, going to be doing a podcast with Dr. Del Rey and Veronica Drance. It's just going to be a regular show. There's not going to be a live audience. I'm sorry about that, guys. 
Well, that's okay. They'll get to hear it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. On the uh, in March, we'll be talking to Rebecca Fox. She's an atheist cartoonist and all that. We'll be talking about her cartoon. On the tenth, we'll be talking to Ira Pastor about biomimicry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Biomimicry. And on the seventeenth, we have our old friend Chris DiCarlo. Christopher DiCarlo is coming back on the show, and he'll be talking about how he was actually uh, refused tenure twice at the university because he's an atheist. And on the 24th, we have a podcaster, Robert Stanley, of uh, the podcast, where is it? The Right to Reason Podcast. He'll be coming the on the show reason, as well. Yes. Exactly. So you can follow his show as we well. We always have so much good stuff to look you forward to, don't we? Yeah. yeah. A lot of great guests. And we've got more things to be working on. And, you know, we're coming on the show, uh, the show's anniversary as well, so... Oh, yeah. We've been doing this for a couple of years now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else we need to say before we go? You know, I was going to say this before the interview, and now it's just really funny. I was going to say, go watch Doctor Who. <laughs> Doctor Who is so cool. Instead of Harry Potter? Okay, I'll take it. Well, no, I, <laughs> I would like to see a Doctor Who meets Harry Potter show. Oh, God. Oh. You know, there's, pro- there's fanfics about that. Ask Christina. Uh, Very cool. Uh, Time-traveling wizards. Have you Have you seen the... Um, the Christmas, the latest Christmas special for Doctor Who. No, I I don't have television. This just neither do we. Do- this just oh. it became the Doctor Who special show. Man. You guys can talk about this off air. <laughs> Thank you guys. Until next time. But you can mute us, Kevin. You have the power. <laughs> I Skeptic and non-believer An infidel, a heathen I call it how I see it I say it's ignorance And you just call it faith And unsubstantiated claims That's something to be ashamed I'm an atheist Atheist, atheist